every time we change our thought patterns, we create those new neural pathways. And the more you do that, those old ones begin to die away. And all of a sudden, you're living in that new paradigm, that new way of life. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hello and welcome to the My Future Business Show. My name is Rick Nusky. I'm your host. I have somebody very special on the line today. I'm with the wonderful Sharon Valenti. How are you, Sharon? I'm exceedingly well, thanks. How are you? I'm very well. Like I said earlier, I've got two feet and a heartbeat. I'm not going to complain. Now, just for context, Sharon, I'm going to share with the audience that you are the founder of Blueprint, uh, Blueprint for Stress Relief. You're a serial entrepreneur, coach and teacher, and you and I are going to be talking about the three kinds of business which are not necessarily what you think they are and how to find your underlying beliefs and question the truth about them. But before we get into that part of the call, I'd love to spend a little bit of time as is customary learning a little bit more about you and I think a good place to do that is to find out um, where you grew up where did you grow up well I grew up in England and Germany <clears throat> my father was an American in the Air Force and my mother was British so sort of one of those love stories yes yes wonderful and I was born in England and we traveled around quite a bit, as you can imagine, but my father always tried to get stationed in either in England or, in this case, Germany for six years. Mm -hmm. And I think we did a brief stint in California. So that's where I'm originated from. I live actually in Georgia now in the United States. And what sort of got me into the type of coaching that I do right now is, unfortunately, both of my parents like to drink and they like to drink rather a lot. Right. So my mother was one of those very violent alcoholics and not much of a support from her, but it taught me to be a great people pleaser and a yep. great manipulator trying to keep the peace. <clears throat> and I took on a lot of underlying beliefs as a child unwittingly I and mean, we just do mm -hmm. how we know to have that vocabulary I don't know but mother says I'm going to spank you and the three and four year old you hears I'm a bad girl I'm not lovable mm. somehow that sticks and it gets reinforced once you get into elementary school and junior high and high school and you might not get the best grades or you might get in trouble for talking or you might not be part of the cool crowd. It just feeds those underlying beliefs and it just begins to create this pattern in your life. Yeah. And then unfortunately, when I was around eight years old, my father molested me. So um, that created a whole nother set of beliefs in me. And I didn't even remember that incident. And I shut it down so much that I didn't remember it until I was in my 30s. And I guess it was just time for it to come to the surface. And I observed when I really sat still and explored it, that I had taken on the blame for that incident. That I, I as a kid, said it was my fault. If I hadn't been born, it would have never happened. And again, you're dealing with a child's mind. You know, I have a mother who's a 
who's a severe violent alcoholic that mm. I could not go to and tell what had happened. And here's the other person that I'm supposed to trust and admire and adore who's also betrayed me in a different way and I had nobody that I could go and tell this to, or at least I didn't realize that I had somebody I could go and tell that to. So I shoved down all those beliefs inside of me as well. So they showed up in a different way throughout my life. So fast forward through domineering friendships and um, certainly abusive and domineering intimate relationships Mm -hmm. it just got to the point one day i said i can't take this anymore something has to change or i'm going to die enough is enough yeah really enough is enough so i started uh first of all i made plans to leave my then husband with my two my two children and i remove us out of that and that was a very dangerous and tricky situation and i managed it Mm -hmm. and then i started just anything that cross my path that was sort of a self-help type of course or book or people to talk to or YouTube things to listen to podcasts and I fed myself with that stuff and the more you listen to that positive kind of thing Mm -hmm. the more your thoughts begin to shift and this is what happened and then I learned how to bring those underlying beliefs to the surface and how to question whether they're true or not and they weren't. They never are, in fact. We, it's just, like I said, as a kid, we take them on. I found I am lovable. I am likable. I am a great person, blah, blah, blah. But that runs, that pattern, unfortunately, takes hold in a lot of people who've grown up, specifically in my generation, where it, and some of the things that we heard are generational as well. I call them our one line, the one liners. Mm -hmm. Like I heard frequently children should be seen and not heard. Did you ever hear that growing up? Yes, I did. We, you know, and you're, you're across the pond from me, right? So it it was just, it was a generational children should be seen and not heard. Speak only when spoken to money doesn't grow on trees. Boys shouldn't cry, suck it up, man Mm -hmm. it up. And if you stop and get still and even writing this out sometimes helps find out what beliefs you took on about yourself as a result of repeatedly hearing those one-liners for me hearing children should be seen and not heard all the time when i sat with that i realized i i adopted the beliefs that i was unimportant or children are unimportant and that I should remain invisible and that's pretty much how i showed up right through my teen years into early adulthood again unconsciously oh, yeah. these are you know they just take hold of us now yeah. we have a generation of of men that are afraid to show their emotions and their wives are screaming oh he doesn't love me he never shows this emotion you know and it's not the guy's fault it's mm. it's a learned behavior and money does grow on the trees, by the way. You know, paper's made from wood, right? And money's made from <laughs> yep. paper. So, folks, we have money trees everywhere. Don't believe that shortage consciousness kind of thing. <laughs> you know? But in all seriousness, it does a lot of damage. Of and we see that predominantly in, in young teens today. And that's because of my own childhood and teen years mm. were so brutal and i 
I remember just feeling so empty and so alone and so misunderstood and invisible and just suicidal at times. So I can really relate to these young people. And now, of course, social media sort of, it fans the flames a little bit. However, I think what happens with social media and the likes that people are checking is the misunderstanding that the likes that we look for are not about us. They're about what we've posted. Mm. And unfortunately, they're getting misinterpreted. Oh, I didn't get many likes. They don't like me. Oh, look at all the likes I got. They like me. When you have nothing to do with it, it's mm. your post that's being liked or not liked. And of course, when someone makes unkind comments, that's merely a reflection of what's going on inside of them, has nothing to do with me unless it triggers one of those underlying beliefs. So it's really a matter of, of becoming, of slowing down, number one. Mm -hmm. And when we get triggered, get into the practice of seeing if you can find out what you were just believing about yourself that caused you to be so upset. You know, I'm going to talk about those three businesses. So there's your business and there's the divine's business and there's my business. Mm -hmm. And the only time we can ever get in trouble is when we're in somebody else's business. And that's whether it's in our mind or an out loud kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure we've all been out shopping or in a restaurant and you look at someone and you think what were they thinking when they put that outfit on today right have you <laughs> yeah. done that right <laughs> Who, whose business is it what they wear right yeah or or you know your your partner is it, it could be business partner anybody your partner you you say something to them and they give sort of a casual answer back and we get all bent out of shape about it and because we're thinking they should have responded differently. But whose business is it what they say or how they eat or what they wear or what they think? Just as much as whose business is it what I do or what you do or what anybody does. So when you're there and you're just minding your own business, let's say you're scanning the internet or reading a book or something, you're fine. The minute you start thinking about somebody else or what they should or shouldn't be doing or should or shouldn't be saying, then your blood pressure starts to go up because you're trying to run someone else's life and you're totally yeah. in business. And if there's a tsunami or an earthquake or the forest fires, very, very sad that these things happen, or maybe it's not. But that's the divine business. I cannot do anything about what has happened. It happened already. And for me to get on my high horse with a cause all of a sudden and get myself all worked up about it is ridiculous. One of my favorite, um, what's, I can't think of the right word here, but one of the things that I say the most mm -hmm. that keeps me calm all the time is how do I know it should have happened? Because it did. And the minute I will start to argue, oh, it shouldn't have happened. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Da, da. Now, I am causing my suffering. Nobody outside of me. What do right? they say? You're shooting all over yourself. Exactly. But people don't stop and think about, you know, it's already happened. How do we know it should have? 
because it did. So stop arguing with it. And that was a saving grace for me the day I got the news that my son had died is obviously as a mother, it was not the news I was ever wanting to hear. Mm. I remember just repeating it over and over. How do I know he should be dead? Because he is. And that's not a brutal statement. It kept me sane in that moment. Otherwise, I would have been like other maybe other parents like oh my god he shouldn't be dead and then i should have gone before him and that's i will just keep myself insane in that moment if i play that game and that's with anything you know oh it shouldn't have rained on the bride's wedding day well it did so find a nice indoor spot and keep moving forward don't keep putting yourself backwards and we play this game all day long you know they say that we create a reality and sometimes i think people might have um they they don't totally understand that but if we reflect on that all day long we create the stories in our mind and they feel very very real well they are real in our mind Mm. and they're not true though they are not true it's just a story that we're writing over and over you know we get up we're so influenced, again, by our childhood, we are taught to put ourselves on the back burner, to let others go first, let the company get served first, let them get seated first, let open the door and let that lady or gentleman go before you. Mm. So we grow up and we feel guilty if we do something nice for ourselves. You give the shirt off your back for your kids or anybody else. But you feel uncomfortable to do something good for yourself because we've been taught never to put ourselves first. That's selfish and self-centered. Well, we do need to be self-centered because if we're not, nobody else is going to center on us. We have to take care of ourselves. And for a lot of people, when they hear you need to learn to love yourself, that's all good and well. But nobody tells you exactly how to do that. It's okay to say it. Just how do we do it? How do you do it? Are you familiar with Louise Hay? I've heard the name. Okay. She's since passed away, but she has Hay House Publishing Company. And she wrote a book, You Can Heal Your Life. And one of the stories in there was a turning point for me in my mind. She talks about if we were to go in the kitchen and we're going to make ourselves a salad and you pull the lettuce out. It's a little bit turning, you know, brown. So you pick off those pieces and you take what's good bits and you put them on the plate mm-hmm. and the little cherry tomatoes, they're a little bit crinkled. It's okay. I'll put those on my plate and the cucumbers a bit soggy, but you cut off the worst part and put the rest on your plate. Mm-hmm. Would you serve me that same salad? Probably not. No, you go and buy all new produce. I'm your guest, right? You want to put best on a good the best. Yep. Right. Why would we do more for somebody else than we would do for ourselves? You know, that self-love, I know we're program. oh, don't waste, don't waste, don't waste. There's some animal out there that will eat that produce I that we in the bin. You know, I mean, there is. Self-love and loving self starts with doing those things that you would jump to do for somebody else first start doing it for yourself set the table nicely pretend you've got company coming make it lovely for yourself and train yourself to enjoy it and be okay with it 
If you're hungry, serve yourself before everybody else. Nobody's going to criticize you for it. Only you in your mind is going to hear that ticker tape that is actually somebody else's voice. It's not even your own, right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Mom and dad telling you, don't be greedy. Don't be this. Don't be that. And it's programmed into us. If we could get rid of that, we wouldn't be even thinking any of that. We'd make a nice salad. We'd serve ourselves first. We'd go through the door first, maybe, or just out of politeness. You know, exactly. But it's being aware of whose beliefs are we still carrying and what beliefs did we create ourselves about ourselves, and then finding out are they true. So you can take... So let's say the situation is my mother said, I'm going to spank you when I finished doing what I, when I finished washing up, I'm going to spank you. Mm. My mind hears I'm a bad girl. I'm unlovable. So sticking with that incident, I could say, I'm so upset with my mother because she made me feel unlovable. Well, then I'd have to look at that and say, is that 100% true that she made me feel unlovable? And the truth is, no, I'm the one that made me feel unlovable. I'm the one that told myself I was a bad girl and mommy doesn't love me. And all my mother said was, I'm going to spank you. But that sticks. That sticks with me. And then if I take that a little bit farther, yeah, I can say, well, I could turn that around to she didn't make me feel, which I just did. And I made her feel that way. Well, how could that be true? Well, in my mind, I called her all sorts of things. Even as a child, you know, my mommy's a bad mummy and she's da 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 da. Yeah. And, you know, it's we do it to us. It's just showing us what we do to ourselves over and over and over. And, it's a ridiculous cycle that we get ourselves into unconsciously, but it cripples a lot of people's lives as a result. This is how anxiety comes into play. You know, we, we create scenarios about the future, and we're so trained to see the bad side of everything that we immediately envision a bad outcome. And I look at it like this. When the holidays are coming around, for those that celebrate Christmas and mm. birthday or any holiday, there's a bit of an excitement there. Oh, I wonder what what presents I'm going to get. Oh, I wonder <laughs> if they're going to get me a cake for my birthday. There's some excitement there, right? Well, why can't we imagine the future like that? Be curious about it instead of fearful about, oh, you know, this, and I'm being pretty basic here oh my marriage ended it's not the end of the world oh i wonder what the what the universe is going to bring me next you know what wonderful person is going to come into my life i am not being cavalier with anybody's life by any means i'm just showing sometimes what we do to ourselves you know i heard someone talking one time about a relationship that they were in that looked like it was coming to an end and the woman said yeah, you know, he's, he's been so mean to me and on occasion he's hit me and I know he's sorry every time and, and I love him and, and uh, you know, yeah, he's cheated on me a couple of times, but he doesn't mean it. They don't mean anything to him. You say to this woman, okay, I just want to get clear on this. 
this is the person you want to spend the rest of your life with. And when you question it like that, it's a bit of a shock because you're yeah. like, oh, you know, did I hear what I just said? And it's that fear of the unknown. But if they could separate themselves and not, if they really love this person, then surely they would want that person to go and be with whom they want to be with and be happy. But we tend to turn it back to ourselves and oh, poor me. And we keep ourselves in this victim mentality unconsciously. Mm. But we could just as easily say, okay, right, bye, pack your bags, I'll help you. And oh, universe, I had just opened the door for something tremendous to come into my life. But we seldom do that until we have retrained our thoughts to think differently, to see things differently. Mm. Every time we change our thought patterns completely away, we create those new neural pathways. And the more you do that, those old ones begin to die away. And all of a sudden, you're living in that new paradigm, that new way of life. And just like everything else, it takes constant practice, mindfulness. When people say, be present, that's another one of those things. Be present, but nobody mm. really tells you how to be present, yeah, right? Mm. So I have found um, I'm a right-handed person. And if I go for a week brushing my teeth with my left hand instead, you can be sure I'm very mindful or I'm going to have that toothpaste all over my face you know, because you're not used to using the other hand. Or if you put your slacks on in the morning and you always put your right leg on first and you go to put your left leg first instead, you really have to pay attention to yeah. what you're doing because it's not natural for you. You know, we dress mindlessly. We do so much without thinking because we've conditioned our mind to behave that way and the body automatically follows it so it is very very possible very doable to retrain ourselves into exactly the kind of life we would like ourselves to have by questioning what we're believing by finding out what those underlying beliefs we have about ourselves and the quickest way to do that is anytime you get triggered you know it, if we have an argument with somebody or somebody has an argument, tries to have an argument with us, starts an argument, they could come up and say, Sharon, you are the most rotten person I've ever met. And in the past, I would have definitely reacted to that. And these days, I can get still and I can find inside of me moments when I've been the most rotten person ever. And I'll say, thank you for pointing that out. I can find that. And then in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, how must I be showing up for someone to even be able to perceive me that way? Yeah. And it's a nice wake-up call, actually. You know, we, we have no control over how someone perceives us any more than they have control over how we perceive them. You know, you could do the greatest Cirque du Soleil act in the world, and one person could think you're a nutcase, and the other person think you're a genius, right? <laughs> yep. And we have no control over that. Yet we've been, again, trained as children to care more about what others think of us than what we think of ourselves. Thus began the pattern of us looking for approval, 
like, love, everything outside of ourselves. And we put this tremendous burden on other people to do for us what they can't do. They can't because, do. You know, we're the only one that knows what it's like to support, to have support, to support myself. I know exactly what that's like. If I say, Rick, I expect you to, you know, you're not supporting me, damn it, da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. Well, how could you have a clue what that would look like for me? Or if I, my husband, you know, you, you're not loving me like I want to be loved. Well, of course I'm, because he doesn't know what that takes. It's my job to love me, like me, support me, take care of me. And if my husband adds those to the mix, that's like icing on the cake for me. Absolutely. But it's still up to me to teach myself to be self-reliant. That way, I'm never disappointed. You know, when we have an expectation, we are literally setting ourselves up to be disappointed for the simple reason they're my expectations, they're your expectations, and we can never fully live up to another person's expectations the way they want us to. Can I just jump in there? Because I, I, I hear you say that, and I have this saying that those who never expect anything are never disappointed, and that's something that you have just validated for me. This is your conversation and the things that you have revealed are, are, are probably getting a lot of people who are listening to this call today um, thinking about their own lives because you touched a few points on my own um, um, for example you'll never be good enough was one that I always heard now when we talk about the at-risk youth that you work with they are very vulnerable they are at that I guess almost um, that uh, permeable stage that stage at which they could still be um, turned around I don't like the word trained but maybe retrained to cognitively see themselves differently how is it that you connect with people like this that need you? And what is the process that you take them through? What sort of a journey is this? So I actually do it through a course. And on occasion, I offer a package of one-on-one um, -on -one coaching session. But I mm -hmm. find the course to be adequate. In the very first lesson, they are instructed to write a letter to the person that hurt them the most. Yeah. And there's a format to it. And in the second paragraph, they're using just one word words and mm -hmm. they're describing how they felt at the time. So it could be battered, insulted, worthless, blah, blah, blah. So what's coming up there are all the underlying beliefs that they're carrying around. And then the rest of the lessons have a series of different questions in each lesson that you would take a specific situation. So I gave the example about my mother um, saying she's going to spank me and I took it as I'm unlovable. And then I questioned that, is it, can I really know she thinks I'm unlovable? And it's a, it's a clear no for me in that situation. But then there's other questions that I apply to it and ultimately I see that it was me doing it to me, and I mm. see it's not true that I'm unlovable. And so there's an, it's not about, it's never about, um, what it is about is finding the truth. It's not about making you feel better or anything. It's just uncovering the truth. And so if you've got a deep ingrained belief, I also heard I would never amount to anything. Now that I did. And how that showed up is I spent at least half of my life 
trying to prove my mother right. I would do so much self-sabotaging uh, behavior, yep. unconsciously trying to prove her right. Now, other people might go the opposite direction, become workaholic, super successful, blah, 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 and they're exhausted trying to prove them wrong. And unfulfilled, you know, nevertheless. Right, right, exactly. So in uncovering these underlying beliefs and taking them to task and when you see that they've never been true there's this internal shift that takes place and the more you do this over and over and over and over and over exploring every underlying belief and sometimes you may have already uncovered oh i am lovable but something else will trigger me in a different way and i can take it back and see oh it's still related to that i'm not lovable but i already know that i am yeah. So I relax about that again. It, it's not to say you might not get triggered from time to time. The more you practice uncovering and you get to the truth over and over again, there's this great change that takes place in you. And I always say, would you prefer a billion dollars or peaceful thoughts? Yeah, it's a bit tempting, right? But peaceful mm. thoughts wins every time because when you've got peaceful thoughts, you're not worried about money. You're not, you literally are not worried about anything anymore because you understand. I also, part of, part of the course is, um, let's say, let's say I am unlovable. Okay, mm. I'm unlovable. What's the worst thing that could happen if you are unlovable? Well, nobody would want to be around me. And then what? Well, I'd wander through life all alone. And then what? Well, I'd feel sad and empty. And then what? Well, then I just have me. Well, the worst thing I hear is you're believing your thoughts. That's all it is. That's None it of it is. is real. But that's how you can peel away when you're feeling afraid or anxious about something. If you do that, and then what? And then what? And then what? Against the thought you're thinking? You know, nobody will want to be around me. And then what? Whatever it is. And you just do all the and then what's until there's nothing left. You know, if it comes down to, then I'll just be by myself. Well, that's the only person I ever have anyhow is myself. You know what I hear? The truth will reveal itself. That's what I'm taking away from yeah. that. That's yes. incredibly powerful. I, Sharon, if you had a book, can I add, I would be reading it. Are you going to become an author? Do you have a book? What's happening there? No. No, I, and it's funny, I have a, a like a mindset about that too. I hear, oh, you must write a book, you must write a book. And then from the authors, I hear, oh, you don't make very much money off of a book. It's not about book. that, I don't think. I think it's about I, how you help. Get the message across. Well, being a guest on a podcast like yours, you have a large audience who mm. can hear this. Just even planting a seed that maybe somebody's heard one word, like, or the three businesses or something that's food for thought, that creates just a little bit of a shift in there. And of course, they can visit our site, Blueprint for Stress Release, and the course is available there. And I'm getting ready to roll out um, eight principles to revolutionize your inner beliefs. The course is for anyone. Right. It's the same principle, but my focus, and you alluded to it earlier, I feel if I can reach these young people now and offer them this way that they'll have for the rest of their life, if they choose to keep practicing it, to tackle these underlying beliefs now so that as they get into adulthood, they'll have a peaceful life going forward. They'll attract 
people into their lives that will be good for the relationship instead of Toxic. making them feel worse, right? Yeah. You know, we do attract and we give off an energy. And, um, you know, if you have that awful belief about yourself, you go, the bully, he always knows which kid to pick on. And the bully's got underlying beliefs about themselves. They're just misdirecting it. So is the alcoholic, the sex addict, the food addict. Everyone. They're looking for relief in all the wrong places. And if they could simply go through a program like this and it's so simple and it's self-paced you know you, you take your time and i've created a facebook page where yep. we'll meet once a week and it'll be live and they can bring their questions i can facilitate and show and speak and really engage there and help people who who participate in so that's that's where i feel I'm yeah wow what what a what a firecracker of a story is the best way I can explain it. I mean, describe it. It's such a power packed session that we've just had. And if you don't mind Sharon, I would love if you would please um, to share um, that website uh, URL again, so I can make sure everybody knows about it. Certainly the easier one is, is it true.com? Right. And you can follow us on Facebook under, is it true? and blueprint for stress release and on instagram under is it true fantastic well look everybody was on the call today i'm pretty sure that if you're in a vulnerable vulnerable position you're you're wondering about um you know your own beliefs and you're looking for that north star i believe that sharon is that north star that you need to reach out to if you um provide um some time for her to um, help you she will certainly do so and uh, for everybody's on the call today um you will find the links back to Sharon and her wonderful work at the uh, website that she's just mentioned. And with that all being said, Sharon, thank you so very much for spending some time with me on the My Future Business Show today. Thank you. It was my pleasure indeed. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.